Raging Review. The Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, coach, let me tell you today, I'm here and I'm ready to stand up. And I challenge you, Raging Cajun Nation, to stand up with us. Stand up with us, let's lock hand in hand, and let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alarm, alarm, ready. Who's that team ready? Who's that team ready? That's up. I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! All right, boys and girls, season five, kicking it off here today. Uh, we have Mr. Phil Steele. After uh, Jerry and Nick and I kind of ramble a little bit, talk about our summers, uh, talk about, we're going to preview the preview actually a little bit. And then uh, we'll move on into Phil, but I just want to cover some things. Got some new things in Raging Review Land to talk about. Uh, But first and foremost, to the co-host with the most most, Jerry and Nick. What's up? What's going on, man? What's up, strangers? Good to see you boys again. It's been a while. How do you do this again? I I I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Wipe the dust off. What's been the first summer with the little one like, man? It's been a blast uh, watching her grow up every day. It's always like there's something new that happens. And uh, she's now seven months, which it seems like a blink of an eye. Um, you know, seeing her grow, seeing her, uh, she's about to crawl, start to crawl, have some, has some teeth growing and she's starting to communicate. It's, it's been a blessing, man. It's amazing how fast time flies when you have children. I'll say that. It certainly is. And then next thing you know, they're 10. You have gray hair and you don't know how you got here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we had the chance to uh, take her to the beach and, and watch uh, watch her play in the water and stuff. I took her to the water. She loves the water just like her just like her pops. So uh, I'm very excited about that. It's going to be a lot of fun beach trips in the future. For sure. Nick is smarter than all the rest of us. He's a uh, he's a he's a, a what do you get a solo lone wolf. What, yeah, uh, I was going to say, uh, you know, my eight year old Rhodesian beagle mix, you know, she watching her grow up this summer. Just been amazing. Uh, uh, <laughs> playing some Call of Duty with some with some guys. Actually, Georgia Southern has like uh, uh, a team that plays Call of Duty like for money and, and like they compete against other universities. So I've been playing Call of Duty with some guys from Georgia Southern uh, over the summer and, and doing a little bit of traveling. So not quite as exciting. Jerry, not, you know, don't have any kids, but my dog, she's been, you know, keeping me busy as well, doing a little bit of traveling. It's been nice. <laughs> she's a good girl. Sounds like Georgia Southern's got a mole in the program now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we're going to move on to football, but just kind of want to touch base. I know that we took a, an elongated sabbatical this year. We haven't done that in the past, but we, we learned a little bit over the course of the last few years that, you know, sometimes you do have to take a break and instead of try to pigeonhole ourselves and overwork ourselves. We decided we were going to hit the reset button, uh, you know, get some fresh content. Obviously we've upgraded the music. We're going to upgrade some other things and uh, some more interactive features for everybody to get involved with the pod more. Uh, We plan on having live shows after games where you guys can comment, call, et cetera. Uh, So look out for that. Uh, We're going to be live when we do our episodes for certain episodes, maybe not all, but 
uh, for the big ones especially. Um, so look on, be on the lookout for that. We're going to try to engage the listeners a lot more in season five. Uh, we see that there's an appetite for that, so we're going to go ahead and, and chase after it. Uh, but it's football season, so let's get into that. Camp is going on right now, obviously. Uh, we don't have a ton of new information right now, but sounds like the quarterback position is it's settled to this point. We got Ben Woolridge and we've got Chandler Fields. Obviously, people have a lot more familiarity with Chandler Fields because, you know, he's a name that we've seen on the field, and uh, he was one of Billy Napier's first recruits to say yes. Uh, and I think that he he kind of weaseled his way into a lot of our hearts because he helped recruit a lot of the players that you saw go on to you know do some historic things here at this program. So Chandler Fields is uh, it, it's a name that we all recognize, and I'm sure a lot of people are rooting for him. But don't sleep on Ben Woolridge. He's got good size. He's got a hell of an arm. I, I've heard that the wide receivers really like catching his ball. He delivers a you know I know it's a cliche good ball, uh, whatever the hell that is. But hey, it, it's a thing. So that is some word that's coming out of camp. Uh, the running back room is strong. Our creative team has done a good job of getting out some information recently that that really kind of highlights that. Uh, wide receiver core is is probably the best it's been since 2012. Uh, if you guys remember those 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 players were really good. Lawson and Surgent and all the rest of those guys really really good ball players. Uh, we have size. We have speed. I think we have everything covered uh, from a scheme standpoint. We have possession receivers like. Uh, like Phil, like Pete at LeBlanc, and we've got the scat back type guys that'll be able to be flexed out like Errol and uh, Dylan Cambry, or Dylan Cambry is supposed to be getting some snaps this year. And we have a few others like Dante Fleming that are kind of tweener guys. We've got big, tall guys like Jefferson and uh, Stevens, you know, guys that can go up and get 50-50 balls. So, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm not one of those people that think the offense is necessarily going to take a gigantic step back. Yes, I understand that the offensive line has its uh, question marks, say that, but Look, it's not like we don't have talent. We may not have a ton of experience, but offensive line speaking, okay, we've got talent. And I think it's going to take some time to get these guys into game shape. Uh, But as far as the offense is concerned, guys, do you kind of share those thoughts? Do you have anything that stands out to you? You know, Phil's going to talk about this in the interview, but he also mentioned that Mike really wants to utilize the tight end. And we all know about how I feel about the tight end. So I'm excited. Yeah, Josh, um, I share kind of – not the same concern because it's not a concern on the O-line. It's just an unknown for us right now because they're having to mix and match and figure that part out. I think I think we have to also understand we had that fifth-year senior situation where we had a lot of players that were able to come back and contribute in a big way. And that gave I think that really was a key to our success the last couple of seasons because you had the opportunity for other guys to sit back to watch to get some playing time to contribute and really our depth the last especially last year was really the difference in in a lot of those close games I mean you watch any of those games and going into the fourth quarter we were uh, very close or, or down by a, a score. And then we just knew, you know, in the fourth quarter, we got this because we had the depth. And I think that's going to help us out this season. As far as um, which quarterback we go with, I think that will be based on what what Des sees on the offensive line. I think if if we get good protection, uh, Chandler may... Chandler may try to force some things at times, but I think with good protection, that'll be okay. But I think if, if there are some concerns on the O-line as far as protection, it's my understanding Ben can, can maybe run the ball a little bit better and he may be able to, to, you know, they're, they're both going to be sit in the pocket, but I think he might be able to scramble a little more. So that may come into play on, on which player starts the season. 
But again, I'm not I'm not concerned about any of the positions. I think next man up, that was Napier saying, I think you're going to say see the same with Des. And um, just excited to start even talking about football. We got football on TV right now, guys. Tonight, you know, this weekend, we've got preseason football on TV. And and I know it's not college football, but it's something, you know, the, the smell is back in the air. So uh, really excited to get going again. And and uh, looking forward to seeing what the Cajuns can do again this season. Not as worried about the talent as much as I am experienced a little bit. I mean, offensively, you know, we did lose Imani Bailey. We did lose Montreal Johnson to the portal. Um, you know, you have a three-year starter in Levi Lewis and what he was able to accomplish here. I mean, that's some big shoes to fill. And it's not just on the field, but I think it's more off the field. I mean, the intangibles to me was what made Levi Lewis so great outside of what he did on the football field. I mean, his leadership, the fact that he was able to rally rally the troops in the locker room. I mean, they played for him. And, you know, I know Chandler and Ben both have that type of presence, but that's presence you have to earn. That's leadership qualities you have to earn. So I like the fact that there is a quarterback competition because you do have guys that are hungry for that starting job. And from what I've heard, like you said, Josh, from camp is that these players – I think these players have rallied around each of those those quarterbacks. And so I think regardless of who the starter is going to be, I do expect uh, a locker room to unite behind whoever it is. I don't think there's going to be much division there because, you know, one thing's for sure. When you have the success that we've had over the last three seasons, I mean, this is we're in the middle of the greatest run in UL football history. We have the longest win streak in the in the country right now. You're coming off a conference championship. You're coming off two straight seasons of being ranked in the top 25. One thing's for sure. The players that waited for this opportunity to start and waited for this opportunity to come in this year, they're, they're hungry because they want to create their own legacy. They want to create their own reputation. They want to create their own opportunity. So one of the great things that Billy did, like you said, Nick, is the next man up mentality is some of these players who will be first year starters, they have experience. I mean, you look at guys like uh, Cam Podesclo, you look at guys like Jordan Quibido, you look at guys that have had experience in the past, but really haven't had the time to have enough play time to make a name for themselves. I think that's their opportunity this year that I'm very excited about. We talked about Chandler Fields. Chandler, you know, he's been a great backup, but this may be his opportunity to shine if he gets the starting role. We've seen what he can do with the experience he's had when Levi has, you know, uh, been pulled um, because either we have a big lead or, or whatnot. So I look forward to seeing what these younger guys can do because I think they're hungry. They want to make a name for themselves. They don't, you know, with a new coach and a new coaching staff, they don't want to feel like these last few years have been uh, just a quick run where it ends. I think they want to continue the success and continue the trend of what we've seen over the last few years with the success of this football team. So I'm really excited to see that. And and I'm really excited to see who's going to step up, who's going to be the big name, who's going to be the newcomer. And so if that attitude can linger at practice, I think we can continue the success we've seen over the last few years. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. It's a good way to put it. You said you're excited to see. You know, a lot of a lot of people are throwing the words concerned or worried around. And I just want to encourage people, look, I've gotten to the point in my fandom that I, I don't get concerned or worried. Okay. This this program is in a healthy position. This quarterback room is not like it was in 2016 and 2017. Uh prior to Billy, you know, I mean, we, we, we play Russian roulette with these quarterbacks and it felt like everybody that came on the field was not capable of producing. That is no longer the case here. So enjoy finding out who is going to be your, your signal caller. Okay. Because 
one of these guys is going to produce, and I, this might sound like sacrilege, but the production, just looking at the numbers, just the production, the, the, young, the, the uh, rushing yards and the pass attempts and the pass completions and the touchdowns, I don't, I don't think that we're going to see a gigantic drop-off from a production standpoint. Now, if you want to talk about intangibles and protecting the football and leadership and guys playing for somebody, that's a whole other conversation, and Levi had that down pat, and he's one of the best, if not the best, we've ever had here. But strictly from a production standpoint, I do not expect to fall off of a cliff. Somebody's got to go out there and get yards and throw passes and, and run the football. So somebody's going to – we're going to find somebody who can do it. I, I have really no issue with that, and, and – Des was a quarterback here. He knows what to do. Okay. So I think that we should enjoy kind of finding that next guy because it's an enjoyable experience. That's what being a fan's all about. Yeah, you want to win. But I think that the first four or five games, and we'll talk about this with Phil, but the first four or five games of the schedule gives you a little bit of a soft landing spot where the offensive line can figure out their role. Some of those guys that lack experience can get those snaps. Ben Walridge are. Chandler Fields can find their their niche or, or where they fit in, you know, get in where you fit in, see what works for you, and kind of struggle they, their way through it until they they arrive, I guess is a better way to say it. So I'm not worried about that. I just want to enjoy that process because we haven't had it in a long time. I mean, we went from Nunez for two years to, to Levi. And so it's been a long time since we had to go out and find a quarterback. So it can be exciting. And that's what we need to kind of focus on, I think, offensively. But Again, we have a healthy running back room. We have a healthy wide receiver core. We've got healthy tight ends. I mean, Lumpkin for the third year in a row is on, a, on an award watch list. You know what I mean? We need to utilize those guys. So I'm, I'm very excited that that's kind of the scuttlebutt. You know, we're going to use the tight end this year. Can't wait. Uh, but a lot to be seen, a lot of unknowns, but it, it kind of gives some, some juice to the season. There's a lot of stories, you know, storylines that you want to follow. So that's good. Uh, when you look at the other side of the ball, defense, talent's there. Talent's there. Now, we're going to lose our, our leading tackler, tacklers in the linebacker core. Uh, and I understand that replacing that type of production is not something that you can just easily do. Totally understand that. Two of those guys are in that NFL. You know what I mean? Well, Manak also, he's, he's getting a cup of coffee, so hopefully it works out for him. But those guys are who you have to replace. That's who you have to look forward to. Andre Jones, Riley, uh, uh, you know, Sonny Hazard is going to be back and healthy. You got Wilkerson, you got uh, Mason Narcisse. These are all highly rated recruits that we brought in, not to mention a guy like Zion Hill who might be, and I said this on the board, he might be the best defensive player in the Sun Belt Conference. We still have a strong secondary with guys that have played plenty. They know the system. They know that you win on the back end. You know the emergence of Trey Amos. Uh, I mean, look, everybody forgets about uh, A.J. Washington. Remember, A.J. Washington was one of the keys to victory against Iowa State. I mean, he locked down one of the best wide receivers in the Big 12. He's got size. He's got strength. He knows how to play. We got a bunch of those. We got still have a very strong secondary with Braylon and Cam. You, you mentioned Cam, Jerry. Uh, Cam Badesco is a good player. He's undersized, but he's tough as hell. I, I just love that guy. I love the way he plays. He's not scared. So I think that we have all of the tools. We just got to put it together. Puzzle pieces that just need to be put together. Uh, what do you guys think about the defense as far as you know, returning guys, production, uh, replacing folks. I mean, I've heard a lot um, from from people at camp first in in the culture of the camp and, and the fact that it feels the same. It feels normal. There's nothing out out of the ordinary for the players that are returning and everything is is business as usual for those guys. So that's good to hear because we're all a little concerned, you know, um, about that anytime you you switch regimes there there's always turnover and there are always changes so it sounds like things are 
are on the right path. And I've also heard that defensively um, in camp, we've not really, I mean, obviously you're going to take a step back anytime you're going to lose uh, linebackers to the NFL or, or transfer out or what have you, but defense has really not taken, you know, a, a, a significant step back yet in, in this camp. So that is encouraging to hear as well. But one thing you didn't mention, Josh, and, and we would be remiss and we would probably get an ugly message if we didn't say this is our special teams, right? A couple of years ago, we were number two in the country. Reese Burns is back, um, which I believe, I know he's friends with Lou Headley in Miami, but I still think he's better than Lou. So I think with our special teams, if, if our place kicking can be consistent this season, that could be one of our strong, strong points and, and really one of our, our factors that decide games later in the season. So um, excited about the special teams. I think they're going to they're gonna bounce back and have a good season this year. But no, everything I'm hearing, and, and trust me, I don't have insider connections. It's just hearing from guys who, who attend the practices saying, you know, we look solid on, on defense. We look solid um, on offense. And, um, you know, again, not really concerns about the offensive line, but seeing how the pieces are moving. Um, defense is not a worry to me. Maybe it should be. I don't know. Maybe let's see what happens in the season, but but not a huge concern on my end. I'm not I'm not too worried about it as much because I mean you look at the Sonny Hazards, you look at the Kendall Wilkerson's, the Chris Moncrease, the Trey Amos's, they have play they have experience. They've played before and they've made a name for themselves numerous times in the last few years. So they're gonna be stepping into a starting role, but they're stepping into a starting role that they've I mean, even though they're a lot of them maybe new starters on the depth chart. They have experience, and, and and they've played well enough in the past. So that's a good thing. I mean, you're bringing a lot of experience back to the defensive side, and then you've got you know Eric Garrar and and Berlin Trahom and guys like that. I mean, they we know what they can do. So I'm not as much worried about that. I think one thing that I believe it was uh, Coach Lamar Morgan, who of course is our our uh, defensive coordinator this year. He's he coached here in 2020. And he's a former player. So he understands the scheme. He kind of knows the personnel already uh, being here in 2020. Um, so he even said, I believe, last week in one of his press conferences, he's really there's really not much to change as far as the scheme goes, because he's had he has he has the personnel around him already. So really, for me, it's just a matter of whether or not, um, you know, his, his play calling is effective. That's what I'm worried about the most because we have the personnel. So uh, I trust Coach Morgan. I, he's a very smart coach. He's been around at some really good schools. And I think just like Coach Dez, he's going to come back and it's personal with him because he put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears as a player here. Um, you know, he, he I mean, he was a huge name as a defense, as a defensive player here and lettered here for what, four, four years. So, um, I'm excited about the defense. I, I'm not too worried about the defense as much. I mean, yes, you lose guys like McCaskill and Manak, but I think there's guys behind them that have enough experience to to be effective. And also, too, the first few games, I want to let everybody know, yes, we start off with a pretty friendly schedule, you know, Eastern Michigan, Southeastern, Rice. But at the same time, Eastern Michigan went to a bowl last year. Southeastern's picked to win the Southland. So – I know if we play games close like we did with Nichols last year, I don't expect to blow these teams out. I don't want people to feel disappointed if, you know, some of these teams give a, a run, give us a run for our money because of our youth and our inexperience um, in certain phases of the game. But um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching this team develop with the schedule. I'm looking forward to seeing this grow against these teams. So um, 
you know, I'm not going to get discouraged. I do want to win, obviously. I do want to start the season 5-0 and going to Marshall. But I'm not going to get too discouraged too soon uh, watching us in these first five games just due to the fact that we have to develop and find an identity and find common ground. Can't believe I forgot to mention my boy Eric Guerra, the absolute most underrated cornerback in Sunbelt history, maybe college football history. They don't even throw to his side. We don't even talk about it. It's ridiculous. He's literally one of my favorite all-time players as a Cajun. I love him. I love him. You know what? I'm, you, don't hear, you don't hear about it, right? <laughs> we're just deciding right now that we're going to highlight him way more this year because he deserves it. I mean, no, he literally has NFL talent. He probably could grow two or three inches, but, hey, so could I. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Look, he's a good player. He's going to anchor that defense this year as far as the secondary is concerned. I, I really – Remember how we felt when Ron Roberts went, went, you know, left for Baylor. We all freaked out and were like, oh, my gosh, how, how are we going to rebound? And then Patrick Tony stepped in and the defense got better. I think that Lamar Morgan knows what he's doing. He has the pedigree. He, he, I mean, the guy is a legit coach. He's been handed the keys to a Ferrari. And, yes, you have to replace some production in the linebacker crew. But trust me, guys like Gidry, guys like Quibido, guys like that, they're going to step in and they're going to be fine. They're full of talent. We've got great athleticism there. I am not worried. Uh, but that's enough yapping from us. Guys, we're going to come back to you with an, a, a real preview before the season gets kicked off. But we wanted to we wanted to get Phil Steele on, and we wanted to talk about the season coming up. So we'll get to that. Thank you guys so much for joining us for Season 5, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. All right, everyone, it's a thrill and a pleasure to get Mr. Phil Steele back on the Raging Review podcast. This will be the third year that he's joined us for some inside information on the Cajuns and this year a little bit on the Sun Belt because we do have a new look league and we'll talk to him about that. Uh, first of all, Phil, welcome and thanks again. Hey, a real pleasure being on, guys. Now, what a year it was last year for the Raging Cajuns. Oh, it was outstanding, wasn't it? Yeah, unbelievable. And uh, finally got to that uh, championship game and won it. Finally, we were able to get over that mountain, right? I mean, we had set expectations for so many years in a row and getting to that championship and then having the heartbreak of the COVID Carolina situation. Man, that's that's one hell of a thing to overcome. But, you know, Billy and the boys got it done for us. And obviously it's it's going to be – that's a, a banner memory for all of us. And it will live uh, on in Cajun lore for a very long time. Uh, before we get to the Cajuns and their program, I do have a couple of questions. I remember when we visited right after the COVID year – uh, Phil Steele Inc., if you want to call it that, had had some changes because of everything that went on. Is it safe to say that distribution has gotten back to a normal level? Uh, did you guys make any changes that became permanent? Uh, what's, the, how, what's the health of the magazine like in 2022? Oh, yeah, the health is great. Uh, it's the best-selling magazine in Barnes & Noble. And, and this year, uh, the only, the only uh, wrench in the uh, – procedure this year was the fact that there was a paper shortage among printers. So we, we were only able to print half the magazine uh, to start back in the start of June. That all went to Barnes and Nobles. We were able to get the second run done towards the end of June. And now that's out and available everywhere. So uh, we're back to full distribution all the way across the country. We've gone back to regional covers as well this year uh, with 14 regional covers. So it, uh, definitely back to where it was uh, pre-2020. Uh, the Sun Belt has a new look this year, like I mentioned, and I'm curious before we get into the Cajuns, your thought on the new look Sun Belt, uh, what do you think these new uh, programs add to the belt as a whole? I know you're kind of bullish on the Sun Belt Conference as a whole. You have been for 
probably two, three years now. Uh, just curious what you think they add to an up-and-coming G5 league. Well, I'll tell you, big-time additions, all four of the teams. Uh, you know, you could start with Southern Miss off a bad year last year, a year where if it could go wrong, it went wrong for them. But playing at the Rock, the history of Southern Miss, and the fact I think this year's Southern Miss team, uh, they make my most improved list. I think they're going to be a bowl-eligible team this year. Uh, that's a very nice addition. That's great, a great venue to be playing in uh, in Hattiesburg. And then Marshall, a team that uh, probably underachieved a little bit each of the last two years, probably a little bit better than their record, but they always have a strong defense. They're always one of the top teams in CUSA. They're one of the top teams in the MAC when they played there. And I think they're going to come in and challenge right off the bat being one of the top teams in the SBC. So that's a a great pickup there. Old Dominion, you know, Ricky Ronnie did a fantastic job at Old Dominion last year. They didn't play in 2020, and he had one of the least experienced teams in the country. They opened up the season one and six, and you're thinking, okay, they're done. And then all they did was win the last five and get to a bowl game. And now this year, practically the entire team is back. So they are such better shape than they were last year. That is going to be a very good team to bring in. And, and ODU uh, playing in a, a, a rebound built stadium. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of excitement there. And then how about James Madison? The winning tradition in the FCS. This is a team that's uh, among the, the all-time uh, in the last five years. They're among the top home records. Granted, they've been playing FCS competition, but they've done it with defense. Uh, they've got the outstanding offense. Last year, they had to adapt in the fact that uh, they lost a lot of offensive linemen and running backs. So instead of being a power run team like they normally are, they shifted to a pass team and thrived. Their quarterback had an amazing ratio, and they nearly made it to the championship again. So I love the pickup of all four programs, and I think it uh, definitely strengthens the Sun Belt and makes it one of the top G5 conferences. Marshall is the the brand name that everybody recognizes, and obviously USM has had success in the 80s and the 90s, so especially down in Louisiana, we know those brands, but I think that James Madison is, is not, I'm not going to call them a sleeper, but I think that they have the potential to make the biggest impact uh, that people may not, may not realize or may not expect early. I do have a slight, uh, a slight follow-up. The AAC and the, the MWC, uh, you know, they are kind of the cream of the crop in the G5 leagues. But, you know, we mentioned the Sun Belt and really being an up-and-coming G5 league. Do you feel like the Sun Belt is closer to the top of the G5 and, and closer to the AAC than it was maybe just four years ago when it was perennially a cellar dweller and we were just kind of fighting to get some footing? Do you think it's closer to the top of the G5 as opposed to further from the bottom of the G5? Yes, absolutely. And uh, all you have to do is look at the, the way I rank the uh, the conferences in my magazine, and I do it by the how I rank the strength of the conference. So naturally the first conference in the magazine every year is the SEC, followed by the Big Ten. And then the question is who's going to be three, four, and five in the Power Five? Well, now in the group of five, traditionally the Sun Belt was always in the back of the magazine, but they started moving up ahead of the MAC. Now they're ahead of CUSA and very close, I think, to the Mountain West and the AAC. I love the power that the uh, Sun Belt has at the top. Teams like App State, Louisiana, Coastal Carolina, and even an up-and-coming Georgia State. And then with the four additions coming in, uh, I think it's it's really it, – it, you look at that uh, one division that is in there, the East Division, that is one of the toughest conferences in all of college football. 
Phil, uh, Jerry here. Um, quick question in regards to what you just said about the conference. You know, with these four new teams that we just talked about, uh, you have Marshall pick number two in the East, which is, that's a lot of respect to them with what the East has been able to do over the last few years. You also have Southern Miss at number three in the West. Um, what what do you expect from these four teams coming in? You had stated that Old Dominion had a long win streak. They got into a bowl last year. JMU has a really, really good reputation at the FCS level. What do you expect from these four teams coming in to compete with the teams that are already in the Sun Belt, especially the ones like the Louisianas, the App States, the Coastals that have proven on a national stage that they can compete against anyone? Yeah, and I think uh, right now coming into the year, I think App State's the, the top team in the Sun Belt. Uh, they've got seven starters back on offense, uh, five on D. Uh, Chase Bryce is back at QB. I give them a slight edge over Marshall, but Marshall's got talent. Marshall's got, uh, the, you know, running back in Rashawn Ali. They've got a top-notch defense. They're loaded in all three areas. In fact, Marshall actually ranks in my top units in five of the eight units in the magazine. Running backs, receivers, defensive line, linebackers, and DB. Overall, uh, they've got a top 50 defense this year. So they are they are a strong team and one that, like I said, has basically underachieved a little bit the last two years. Had some poor finishes to their season or they'd have a lot higher reputation. You know, Coastal Carolina, the reason I've got Marshall ranked above Coastal is Coastal's one of the least experienced teams in the country. Just three starters back on D, four on offense, including Grayson McCall. Can they continue to play like they have the last two years, which have been 11 win seasons? I think they're going to have a very successful year. I just think losing the amount of talent they did, it's going to be tough to be at that same level. And uh, when you look at Old Dominion, as mentioned, they're a team that last year was very inexperienced coming off and not playing. Now they've got everybody back. And uh, I think they're going to really take that next step up. James Madison is a team that knows how to win. I'll tell you that much. You look at their record and uh, over the last uh, they have had one, two, three, four double-digit winning seasons, including 14 wins in both 16 and 17. They're always in the finals for the FCS. They've got a large home crowd. They're 63-8 and eight at home. Uh, they're dangerous. And then Southern Miss, you know, uh, I think Will Hall's going to get this team turned around. Last year they were down to, what, their sixth-string quarterback. It turned out to be running backs at the end of the year. Uh, nine starters back on offense, seven on defense. They are a threat in the West. I think if you look at the two divisions, the East is clearly the tougher division. I think the one through six, you've got all six teams have the potential to make noise there. The West, which was Louisiana plays in, I think is a much better division to play in this year. With that said, with that said, it goes right into our, our next question with the West. You know, Louisiana has pretty much owned the West over the last four years since the Sun Belt went to divisions. They're four for four. Uh, they've gone to the championship four years in a row. And actually since the um, – the, the the divisions were created in football for the Sun Belt. The Cajuns have not lost a game in the West yet. Uh, with that said, what do you expect this year as far as I know the Cajuns are the default pick, but do you see any teams in the West this year that could be a threat to Louisiana? Uh, I think the one team or yeah, the one team that's probably got the best shot at challenge in Louisiana would be Troy. I think uh, when you look at Troy last year, they were better than their final record of five and seven. I like the way they play defense. They've got nine starters back on defense this year, nine starters back on offense. And I think John Summerall's a guy that was there during Troy's glory years. Remember when they had three straight double digit wins in 16, 17, 18, Summerall was a part of that. Uh, he's got only loses 
14 Letterman off of last year's squad, brings in some top-notch transfers like UAB's Johnson Sanders, a wide receiver, Sanford's tight end, Michael Weiss. Uh, defensively, a couple of transfers come in, but their defense is already loaded. And they're a much more veteran team than Louisiana. I do think the gap was big last year, which is why I still think Louisiana wins the West, even though they're less experienced and they lose some quality players. I mean, uh, losing a quarterback like Levi Lewis is tough. They lose two of the top three rushers, much like they did last year, where Chris Smith was a lone returnee. The offensive line is probably my biggest question mark with only one starter coming back. But Coach DeSomo told me that uh, he feels good about the offensive line. He said it uh, feels like they did in 2020 when they lost three offensive line starters and still had a good group. And then you look at this team defensively, plenty of talent there like Zion Hill and Andre Jones. So to me, Louisiana is still uh, my front runner to win the uh, West. But I think Troy would be the biggest challenger in that division. So, Phil, it's Nick. Just kind of building upon that, and you kind of alluded to this in your in your comments. You know, we've had a ton of turnover, and not just players, but really an entire coaching staff, an entire support staff. So you kind of have to figure we're going to take a little bit of a step back. But despite that, you still have us, um, you know, going back to the Sun Belt Championship game for the fifth year in a row. Do you think that's more – uh, attributed to the West being a little bit weaker um, th- this upcoming season? Do you think it it has to do with our, our weaker schedule? Do you think it's, it's our depth and talent that's going to make up for it? Is it a combination? Kind of what do you think are the keys to us making that fifth game, fifth championship game in a row this season? Yeah, I think probably the biggest factor in my head was the fact that uh, Louisiana plays in the West. And I think there, if you look at the two divisions, I have a couple of teams in the East rated higher in my power poll than I do Louisiana. Uh, but Louisiana is a top-rated team that I have in the West. So that's one big factor. The the other factors would be the fact that, uh, you know, DeSomo, while he's a first-year head coach, was here in 17, 18, 19, and 20. He played quarterback here. He knows all about Louisiana, knows the players. He recruited some of these players as well. So I, I don't think it's a complete change over a roster. There still is plenty of experience coming back. Uh, I don't think this year's team is quite as good as last year's. There's just too much talent lost, like a nose tackle, Talon Humphrey. Uh, you look at the linebacking core, losing Gardner, losing Manick, losing McCaskill, uh, the cornerbacks, losing Gardner. There's some quality players that walked out the door for Louisiana, but there is there was plenty of depth. I love the way Napier built the team, and, and you still look at the players on this squad, and I think they are the most talented team in the West as well so you talked about Levi a little bit earlier and and you just you know we're talking about losing players obviously Levi Lewis I mean he's he's a game changer he's he was the leader of our team on and off the field so he's a big key to our success over the past five years but taking that away and taking you know his skill set that he brought again not only to to on the field play but also his his leadership off the field how far of a drop-off do you think from a production standpoint do you foresee out of the quarterback position I look at some of the rankings and I think you had Chandler Fields as as, you know one of the lower ranked quarterbacks in the league Um, but just kind of your thoughts on that position going on to the season yeah, I think to me, the biggest question mark is going to be protecting the ball. As we know, Levi Lewis last year had 20 touchdown passes, just four interceptions. And you got to love the fact that in the three years as a starter uh, since 19, 
uh, only a total of 15 interceptions in the three years combined. That comes out to five per year. I don't know if the new quarterback's going to be able to do that. You know, Chandler Fields is a little bit more of a gunslinger. Uh, He'll probably take more chances, and that means he'll probably have a few more interceptions. Ben Woolridge, if he wins the job, uh, plays differently than does Chandler. He protects the ball probably a little bit more, does things by the book. But he's, he got, you look at him, he's six foot four, two oh six. He's he's a very capable quarterback. So I think they've got the quarterbacks able to come in. How they protect the football is going to be the key. I, I think if you go from five interceptions a year over three years to uh, double digit interceptions, then it could turn the season around a little bit. Phil, this is a little bit off the cuff, but you guys deal with numbers and you evaluate constantly year in, year out. We're replacing a head coach and we're replacing a senior quarterback who had, you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of snaps under his belt. With regard to how well they protected the football, you know, how difficult is that to maintain when you're just looking at numbers, right? From just a historical perspective, when you're replacing both the coach and the senior quarterback, I mean, I would assume that usually the drop-off is pretty significant. Am I right about that? Yeah, for the most part, uh, especially in the, in the turnover factor in this case, I think is going to be something that uh, we're going to see this year. I, I do think, I mean, I mind the front of the magazine. I have a, a chart which projects the yards for the season and the points. Uh, and it shows that uh, Louisiana offensively is going to go from 219 yards per game passing down to 194. And, you know, my computer plays out the entire season, looks at the opponents that they're taking on. So I don't see a huge drop off statistic. I don't think, uh, you know, you look at 219 yards per game, I would say a shade under 200. That's pretty, pretty close uh, passing productivity wise. My concern would be the turnovers. Sure. Yeah. And that's, of course, a concern. It always is. Um, You mentioned talking to Coach Dez and we don't really have an idea. You know, the thing about it is, is that we are pretty versed and knowledgeable in our team. We follow them like a religion, but even we don't have a clear picture of what the team's going to look like coming out of fall camp. Did Coach Mention anything about scheme tweaks or are they going to open it up a little bit more? I, I know that he did say something about making the passing game a little bit more efficient, but we don't know what that looks like. Did he intimate anything to you about wanting to stay true to the ground game or maybe opening it up a little bit? Uh, I think he's going to, I mean, why would you mess with the formula that you just had this sure. one Absolutely. and we're so successful in? So uh, if I was in his shoes stepping in, I would keep everything much the same. And yeah, as I mentioned, he's a guy that uh, was here as a co-OC and tight end coach here. So, I mean, he's a guy that knows the system inside and out. I don't think he's going to make drastic changes at all. I do think if you look at the quarterback play, if it's Chandler Fields to win the job, he's probably going to take more chances than does a Ben Woolridge. So that's the one thing to look at at the, at the quarterback position is who actually wins the job. But I don't think you're going to see a drastic change either offensively or defensively because you can't mess with that formula. Totally agree with that. And the defense was nasty last year. Uh, we'll get into defense in just a few minutes, but I do have one more question about the offensive side. Wide receiver core looks like a strength for us on offense this year. Uh, and regardless of if we open up the passing game or not, these guys have been taught how to block, which is encouraging. And, you know, a lot of people aren't willing to do that from the wideout position. So we feel like we're in a yes. good spot. What do you when you did your evaluation of the receiving core, did you feel similar to my comments? Did you see anything that stuck out? 
Yeah, I think the one thing that stuck out is uh, uh, Coach DeSormo told me that he likes to use two tight ends. So they're going to probably use 12 personnel about 40% of the time. So keep your eyes on that this year. they got a pretty doggone good tight end in Johnny Lumpkin. And then uh, Pierce Miggle is another guy that can play that as well. Uh, you look at uh, Neil Johnson in the slot there. He's a huge guy. He's grown tremendously, gets open and makes plays. you got to like LeBlanc. And then Jefferson is the guy that – he looks like he's got an NFL future in front of him. He's extremely talented, explosive. He's got great ball skills, finishes on the ball, and he preps like a pro. So I, I think that receiving core, the wide receivers and the tight ends combined, really make up a good group. Billy Napier had a reputation here, uh, sort of a next man up mentality. Uh, he played pretty much anyone and everyone. And it was one of those situations where uh, whenever it's your turn, step up. And I think we've seen a lot of that uh, with this team over the last four years since he's been here. But during your evaluation of the roster, were there any emerging players that really grabbed your attention? Like, for example, Trey Amos, uh, someone we've really been high on since he signed. Seems pretty poised to step in for Makai Gardner, a real factor in the secondary. Another example would be someone like Jordan Quibido. Just players in general that have, you know, they've, they've made a name for themselves, but they really haven't stepped into that uh, that starting role. Uh, what What is your assessment of that uh, since you've uh, analyzed this roster as far as uh, any standout players that can really make a name for themselves this com- upcoming season? Yeah, I was hoping you were going to throw out the name of Trey Amos because you stole my thunder a little bit there. He'd be the one guy that really jumps out to me. I think he's a phenomenal talent. Uh, he's mature. He's a competitor. And uh, he's going to be playing in the NFL. He's 6'1". Uh, probably needs to put a little bit of weight on, but he got he got his feet wet uh, with two starts. He's been playing behind some really good players. I think Trey Amos emerges and has the potential to be uh, all league this year. Up front on the defensive line, I would say watch Kendall Wilkerson. Wilkerson's got a ton of athletic ability. He's got great size and speed, and it's his turn to step up. And when defenses are, are planning blocking schemes, they're going to be worried about Zion Hill. That might just let Wilkerson get a, get a few sacks this year. And then a linebacker. I could see Chris Moncrief really emerging. He's a guy that's a, a leader. Everyone respects him. And uh, it's his time to run the show. I think you're going to see him in there uh, calling plays. And uh, I think Moncrief has a big year. Amos would be my top one, though, for sure. I think he's got star potential. If you if you had a choice uh, based on any of, of the units with the, within this team that kind of look like a question mark right now but have a really good chance to grow as the season goes on, which one would that be? Yeah, the biggest question mark's got to be linebacker, where you lose three guys in Gardner, McCaskill, and Manick. So the guys stepping up have that potential. Uh, can they do it? You know, I think the expectations are there that they will be able to do it, but I'm more comfortable on the defensive line and DBs experience-wise, and that's why we go with linebacker. Taking a look at the 2022 schedule, um, obviously a little on the light side. I think he had us ranked somewhere in the 120s as far as strength of schedule. Uh, but but looking at the teams that we play this season, is there a particular game on that schedule that you think could be a game changer for us in in either a positive or negative light? Is there a game that you think, wow, they you know they're really they're really turning the corner and it's going to be a great season? Or is there a particular game where you look at and say, oh, you lose this and and you're pretty much done? Uh. I don't see any game where they'd be done because I think when you look at the records in the division, Louisiana is going to finish with probably a game or two ahead. So they can afford to lose a game or two uh, this season. But I would be most concerned with a three-game stretch. 
uh, and two of the games are on the road, which is why I'm concerned with that. I think Louisiana opens up 5-0. and I haven't favored in all the first five games. But at Marshall, and then two weeks later, at Southern Miss on a Thursday, those are two very difficult games against two very experienced teams. And they're also in stadiums that Louisiana hasn't played in. So, I mean, none of these players are familiar with them. I think that heightens the home field edge for Marshall, heightens the home field edge at the Rock for Southern Miss. And those are two games that, that call come into my mind as question marks in the Sun Belt. And the rest of the games I have Louisiana winning. They get the key game. Uh, I told you, I think Troy's the second best team in the West. Uh, and they get that game at home. So I think the, uh, the at Marshall, at Southern Miss would be the, the two I'd be most concerned with in Sun Belt play. Yeah, I agree. And then and then like you just said, then we, you know, come home and play Troy, but Troy has a bye week the week before. So, you know, that's going to be a a tough battle as well. Looking at the schedule and, of course, uh, one that that we all kind of put a a circle by would be FSU. We play Florida State on the road this year. It's really late in the season, which is kind of unusual for an out of conference game. But do you think with with the lack of experience at the quarterback position, do you think we have the talent, you know, up and down the roster to to compete and ultimately win in Tallahassee this season? Oh, yeah, the potential definitely exists. It depends what shape Florida State's in. Remember, Florida State lost at home to Jacksonville State last year uh, and had had another couple of losses where you thought, well, I don't know if they should have lost that one. Uh, And the good thing about playing them late in the year is you know you're getting them in the sandwich game. So they're off of Miami of Florida. They're off another ACC game against Syracuse, and they've got a big game against Florida on Friday on deck. Can Coach Norvell get them pumped up for this game? And you know Louisiana's going to be fired up for it. So I think the situation sets up well for Louisiana. Now, is Florida State going to be battling for a bowl, or will they have it clinched by then? I think they'll be battling for a bowl, which is going to make it a little bit more difficult. But I, I think when you scan the rosters, Yes, uh, Florida State has more highly ranked recruits uh, and pr- probably an edge um, in the uh, talent department, but Louisiana's close, and it's a, a fairly good squad. So I think that's going to be a really good game on November the 19th. I've got Florida State only about a seven-point favorite. Oh, I like that. Early bets. I like it. Uh, but I love getting them late in the season because uh, we've talked about this on the pod a little bit, and and we really believe that those first four to five games – can it, it gives the ability for the the quarterback position in particular, but also the offensive line to to go ahead and gel, learn how to play with the, with you know with each other and and get some cohesion there. And, and I think that that's going to be the key to the to the schedule overall. Phil, we got one more for you, and we'll let you get out. Thanks so much for uh, for your time and and being so gracious. One of my favorite uh, aspects of the magazine is the experience chart. And I love the way that you do that in the returning seniors and juniors and, and things like that. I love that. My second favorite is the close game net points. I think that's spectacular because it kind of gives you an idea of, yeah, maybe you went 7-0, and but how'd you do it? Who'd you struggle against? I think that that's a spectacular feature. I have a question about this particular group, not a ton of playing experience, but they've certainly been a part of a winning culture over the past four years. Do you think that because of those close games and understanding what it takes to get over that hurdle, to, to get that win, maybe it's a Georgia State on a Thursday, maybe it's a, a big game against an App State in a championship game. Do you think that those close games kind of build a culture of being able to continue to win and overcome, even though you did lose some experience and some leaders? 
Yeah, and I, I think you hit it on the head that early season schedule really helps because basically, guys, uh, I use the experience chart heavily when I'm handicapping games early in the year. But by the time you get to game 10 or 11, everybody's a full year starter. You know, they've all started 10 games, so they have a full season under their belt. So to me, teams gain confidence when they have a, an early season schedule that's manageable and they build wins. Now each week you get a little bit more confident, and now if Louisiana opens up the season – five and zero. Oh, that's going to be, as you mentioned, a quarterback will have experience, the offensive line will have experience by the time they get to the meat of the schedule. So I love the fact that the, uh, the soft early schedule uh, should have Louisiana playing with a lot of confidence when it gets to be the end of the year. Phil, again, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much for spending time to get to know our program. We really appreciate it. Uh, we feel like we have a, an exciting bunch of guys that are going to go out there and lay it on the line for us. You're welcome anytime on the pod, and please continue putting out the best college football information that uh, we can ask for. Well, I appreciate that, guys. And uh, don't forget to follow along on philsteel.com. That's S-T-E-E-L-E.com. And if you're interested in the FCS at all, uh, right at the end of the month, we'll have our complete FCS update, all the information you need on that. So when Louisiana is playing Southeast Louisiana and you want to learn about Southeast Louisiana, we've got a complete page written up on that team at philsteel.com. So check that out. Absolutely. Do you have any new features for the returning users for this season? Is everything pretty much the same? Yeah, on, on the website, we're actually going to have a, a full-page write-up just like we have for the FBS and all the FCS teams. We'll have the last five-year spread logs for the FCS, power ratings, and, and we do update the FCS there. Uh, so, you know, philsteel.com is, is like your one source you need all season long. Just get Phil Steel Plus. Sounds good. Continued success to you, sir, and everybody involved. Hey, a lot of fun talking Louisiana football with you guys today. Really enjoyed it. Thank you.